Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, everyone. Um, I'm really excited to be speaking to this amazing, dedicated nephrology nurse, Gail DeWald. I think I met her, God, 20 years ago or something, and she always keeps fighting the fight for people who have kidney disease. So um, welcome to the show, Gail. Well, thank you, Lori, for such a great introduction. It had to be at least 20 years ago. I know, but we're both, we're both 30, so, you know, you can't really, <laughs> you can't say too many years, right? <laughs> exactly. But definitely. I think seen. it was in Galveston or something. It was. Maybe we met in Galveston. I think we did. I, I love Galveston. Um, it's just such mm-hmm. a beautiful city. Well, um, tell us a little bit about why you chose a career as a, a nephrology nurse. Well, just uh, going into nursing school, um, was uh, uh, dreamt up by a friend of mine's sister who was in nursing school. And I told her that I really liked being an educator, but they were not hiring teachers back then. So this was many, many years ago. But she said nurses do a lot of education with patients. And I said, okay, then sign me up. So I wanted to go into nursing school. And while I was a student, uh, I worked as a nurse aide at a hospital And there was a dialysis unit that I had to walk past to get to my unit, Mm -hmm. Um, just a regular, you know, we had 20 patients that were in beds, and they were there for testing and whatever. So every time I walked by that unit, I saw the patients in there laughing, the nurses were laughing, cutting up, and the patients came and went in street clothes, and they didn't have those gowns that open in the back, you know that peekaboo, you know, so I thought, (laughs) wow, that sounds like a great place to work. I'm going to have to remember that after I get my nursing degree. So it was really different than working in a hospital when I, that dialysis unit was so different. Well, uh, So that's how I got started. Well, nephrology nurses always have a a special place in my heart because I grew up with them and it is nephrology nurses week. So everybody listening, you got to like go give your nephrology nurse a high five, say thank you, because um, maybe you can explain a little bit about what's the difference to, what do you have to do to be specialized as a nephrology nurse? Well, you get started, uh, most nurses get started working in a hospital, and there are hospitals that have specialty floors for patients with uh, chronic kidney disease or or, uh, diabetes, sometimes it's on the same floor. Um, And so some nurses get started there, some get started in ICU, um, and then they uh, learn dialysis, you know, after their time in ICU, they're recruited to learn dialysis. And others like me uh, started in a chronic dialysis center. And again, I had that experience as a student nurse um, with the dialysis clinics in, in that hospital. And so I called an ad. And so I started there and got training at uh, the Methodist Hospital in Houston, Texas. And I loved it. I loved it right away. It was challenging to me because uh, kidney disease is so complex and it affects 
every part of a person's body. And so Mm -hmm. there's so much to learn. Patients have to learn so much how to take care of their self. And so um, I wanted to get credentialed. So I took uh, the certified nephrology nurse exam. And that's been almost 30 years ago. So I'm really proud of that. Yes. And another thing, nurses, nephrology nurses have many different roles. They work in hemodialysis, peritoneal dialysis. They work with pediatric patients, geriatric patients, and also transplant. And I've done all of those except transplant. So there's there's lots of options. So lots of options. And the American Nephrology Nursing Association is, I believe, the event that I met you at <laughs> many yeah, years ago. Yeah. So they're like the umbrella to help people uh, learn how to, to navigate and to become a nephrology nurse. It's a great organization because... Um, I've learned over the years that um, when I've gone to these different meetings, there's just this great camaraderie because I imagine sometimes it can be difficult to be a nurse. Um, and uh, and then there's the highs and the lows. So let's talk a little bit about some of the advancements or changes you've seen over the years in your career. Oh, there's been so many. I, I just don't know where to start. I guess the biggest one was the uh, Amgen, a pharmaceutical company, found uh, a way, to, found a drug that helped uh, improve the patient's anemia problem. Because when you have mm-hmm. kidney disease, most patients have anemia. And so this drug came and it has just been a miracle drug for <laughs> chronic I, kidney disease I, patients. I remember it. I used to get two units of blood every six weeks for almost 12 years. And yeah. I mean, you know, and I think people take it for granted because, you know, it was kind of a joke. They're like, well, you have to, you know, I was on home dialysis. They're like, well, you have to give yourself an injection. And I was being silly. And I'm like, I would snort the stuff. I don't care. I mean, I didn't need to get blood, you know. And and that was such a big inconvenience because you'd have to go in for the day, get Benadryl, get the blood. You know, it was a huge ordeal in your lifestyle yeah. and time management. And not to mention all the little things that you can get with blood transfusions like antibodies and other things that may be floating around that we're not aware of (laughs) so absolutely so so what other very dangerous it's it's you know grateful for people who because i've needed blood on many occasions but um it's best if you can avoid it (laughs) Uh, so what are some of the other ones when I started, we were all uh, we were using uh, acetate dialysis, and what happens with the patient is their liver has to go into overtime and convert the acetate to bicarb. So they finally came out with the bicarbonate dialysis, and it was such a game changer for patients. <laughs> they quit throwing Gail, up. I had, Gail, I had seizures. I was uh, actually on seizure medication at that wow. time. That's how severe, I mean, I, I, you know, we're, we're saying we walked uphill both ways, <laughs> but um, it was really difficult there. I mean, that was a huge breakthrough. Um, and in fact, yeah. I was so sick on hemo with acetate dialysis. Um, my doctor said, you need to go on PD. And it was just brand new in the late 70s for children. So I was the first child to go on it. They're like, if we don't get her on, off of this hemo, she's not going to make it. And um, it was definitely very precarious. So, yeah, I concur about that. I definitely concur about that. Yeah. 
And then the equipment. Uh, when I started out, we had this archaic equipment. Nowadays, you press a couple buttons and you can do all kinds of different things to help the patient and to uh, improve, you know, the, the dialysis treatment, the accuracy, as well as the safety Uh the machines we have nowadays are so much safer than way back in the day. So a <laughs> lot of improvements the there. They kind of guess like, well, we're going to take between one kilo and 1.5 off. We're not quite sure because the dial wasn't it was kind of like you know, trying to get a dial a radio station. You can't quite get it right. <laughs> yes. I mean, we, we actually had to have a pen and piece of paper and do a... Uh, to figure out the transmembrane pressure, mm-hmm. you had to, it was a, the patient's weight, and, and I can't remember now how to even do it, but it was a calculation, and the charge nurse had to come behind us as uh, new, uh, you know, as staff nurses and double check that we did the TMP right. So the machine does all that for us now and uh, also tells us how well the treatment's going, if they're getting good clearance. Uh, it's on the machine, you can tell. So, And that's a great benefit, Gail, but I have a little confession to make. Is that, okay? <laughs> you know, it's really great that you have automation, but you have to have critical thinking skills. And I can oh, yeah. always tell those old timer ICU nurses, when I meet nurses, the ones that have had the experience of having to strategically think, because it's so important. You can't rely on a machine. You know what I mean? You got to be able to understand how it's working and and the technology behind it um, to be able to troubleshoot or understand what may be going on. So I love the automation. I just don't think we need to rely on it. We need to understand the the math and the science behind it. And then, you know, you have the machine there, but understand what it's doing, not just, oh, push a button. And in order to pass those tests for certification, the nurse has to know all that stuff. There are questions about critical thinking things that happen in, uh, to patients and during dialysis. So, you know, a great credential to have uh, because it shows I took a test and did well. So, and you know, another thing that has really improved over the years are the success of kidney transplants and kidney pancreas transplants. I know. Oh my gosh. It is just fabulous nowadays. It, it's, 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 it's amazing. I, I have, I had a hundred percent antibodies and I'm 10 years out with my fourth kidney transplant. Wow. And when people ask me often, like, how did you get four kidneys? And I'm like, well, the first two I got, nobody wanted them because it wasn't very exciting to get a transplant uh, back in the 70s and early 80s because you had to take so much steroids and it was really, really tough. And um, so I, I concur with that. It's uh, the advancements we have in transplantation are truly amazing. Um, they and, are. Well, and the medications too. They've just advanced so much and... Uh, the medications mm-hmm. to, uh, for anti-rejection are just amazing. And I love hearing uh, transplant talks, and I love to hear patients talk about their transplant because um, it's just something I love to do as a nurse. I like to hear the success stories. It, well, and, you know, back in the old days, since we're talking about it, I mean, I took phosphate binders that when I would burp, powder would come out of my mouth. 
Um, and they labeled me as dragon breath when I was a kid. And I mean, we have so many choices for phosphate binders and, um, you know, we even have a potassium binder now. What is, Mm -hmm. um, and then I was just reading where there was just a medication, um, approved by the FDA for pruritus, um, for itching. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, that's pretty exciting. I mean, you know, there's uh, uh, there's more treatments for because one of the side effects of, you know, for gout. Um, there's all kinds of things that um, are available to us that weren't available to us, which is, is pretty amazing. Um, um, in addition to uh, loving to see the success of a transplant recipient, what is the thing you might liked most about the day-to-day care of people on dialysis? Well, I love working with people, and I love getting to know the patients and helping them through all the hard parts. And, you know, things go up and down with all of us. You have a good day, you have a bad day. But uh, there's just so much uh, the team at the dialysis center or at the transplant center can do to help uh, improve patients' lives. And it's ongoing, and I love that part of it. Um, and I love working with people, teaching um, you know, I'm in a clinic right now where we're trying to figure out the best practice for the set of patients we have here. And we have meeting after meeting to talk about, okay, what if we tried this? And uh, just trying to figure out the puzzle pieces so that we're taking the best care of the patient. Well, and it's so interesting you say that because um, I love the fact that, you know, you can't cookie cut people. And people have different beliefs. They have different um, education levels. They have different, um, you know, how they should approach things. And the family member comes into play. And it's very complex. So um, you need to help educate a patient um, where they're at and try to figure out a strategy. <laughs> um, and that's exactly. really, it's really, um, it's really important. And um, I've said this in many podcasts, but, you know, I really had more nephrology nurses at my wedding than my own family. <laughs> so um, I have a, I have a special place in my heart for them. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, when you encounter a patient um, that's newly diagnosed and, uh, and afraid, what are some of the key messages you tell them? Well, I try and figure out what is important to them and provide small amounts of information every time I see them. Instead of bombarding with all this new stuff or you should do this, you should do that. So if it's important that a new dialysis patient wants to keep their job and they're real worried about losing their job because they have a car payment and they love their car, then we've got to figure out a way to make that the thing we work with first with that patient to try and uh, get a schedule that works for them or maybe talk about home therapy so that they can have a very flexible schedule and keep their work uh, because it's so important to them. Uh, with other patients, it might be, you know, they, they're worried about having to come uh, three times a week and that they're going to get harmed or they're going to be in pain. And so, you know, we'll talk about those things uh little by little. And, you know, every patient's different. You have to get to know them in the beginning and work with them the best you can because they're scared. Well, and, you know, you you bring up a good point because I think the more you can get the patient to talk 
and share what's going on with them, the better that you're able to uh, figure out what the solution may be. And if somebody's just uh, not speaking at all, it's kind of hard to find out what was actually bothering them. And I think that a lot of people often forget the art of communication. And and it's I hope it's being taught. But um, I know a nurse has basically said, Lori, you're going to be okay. And then I'm like, okay, I don't need a Nativan. You know, I mean, it's so <laughs> it's so true, the comforting of holding a hand and just being where the patient is at the moment and not, um, not trying to undo their feelings. Because haven't you had people like, oh, well, you know, just snap out of it. You'll be okay. And then, you know, you want to come up with every cuss word that, you know, comes to mind. Um, um, because you're, you're, it's, it's just so frustrating when people do that. Um, just snap out of it, you know, or, it, you know what I mean? But if you, if you approach a person and say, I know this is very difficult, you know, you, but you know, you're going to get through it. We're going to help you get through it. I'm also a huge proponent of uh, steering people toward support groups or social media groups that can help them navigate mm-hmm. their new diagnosis and their the issues they're facing. Um, you know, patients aren't always going to tell the nurse, well, you know, I've got this really personal problem, but they'll put it on social media and uh, get responses. And it, it's very helpful. I mean, even in, with my own health care, I was really scared when I needed a hip replacement. And I went to uh, the Facebook social group, and they helped me tremendously get through all that. So um, it, it's just uh, support groups are really wonderful things. They're so wonderful. I mean, one of my mottos is one friend makes a difference. And, and when you have somebody that can understand your illness and has been there before you and then can help you understand how to navigate it or in my case now with you know 50 plus surgeries and four transplants all I have to do is show up alive um that's all I have to do (laughs) I mean I don't even need to say anything my story stands for itself right but um I I think it, it just inspires you when you see other people that are succeeding and um that's really important um and of course um RSN always is sharing stories of hope are there um any patients that stand out in in your mind that made an impact on you? Oh, many, many. Uh, Some are sad and some are uh, wonderful. But the story that comes to my mind first is that I was working uh, in a clinic where we had a, a new guy admitted, and he was the father of six children. He was only 30 years old, so young guy. And he had trouble managing the fluid. Uh, and he was often admitted to the hospital with fluid overload on, on the weekends and short of breath, uh, sometimes even uh, a scary fluid overload. So the other nurses and I tried to reach out to him and get him to talk, because, but he was so angry. Um, he had a friend there at the dialysis unit he would talk to, another patient, but uh, the friend was in much better shape. He wasn't uh, fluid overloading. He was following directions and things like that. But one weekend, this young guy went to the ER, and he didn't make it. And I tell that story sometimes to patients when they're in that situation to try and get them, get through to them. Uh, it can be different for you if you, if you just 
let us help you learn how to deal with fluid. So um, it was very sad, but then it's something I think about quite often when I when I see new patients and that are having trouble accepting. And the people that do the best are the ones on dialysis that say, hey, it's like a job. I come three times a week for four hours, and they end up accepting it. And those people, a lot of times, go go on to get transplants. So, well, I said it's really a cautionary tale, and you know we're living we're living in an era right now that is COVID. And I mean, I went to a place the other day, and I had a mask on, and. It was nobody had masks on. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't want to be one of those statistics. Um, I have no antibodies with COVID. And I'm just going to be super careful right now. Because it's it's the same story with texting and driving. People are like, oh, I can text. I can. No, one of these days it may catch up with you and make sure you're an organ donor. No, that's a bad joke. But um, but I'm, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you think you can get away with it. Until you can't. And and that's what is so wonderful that you're, you know, you have to put a little fear sometimes that what that's what motivates people to change. Yeah, I never shake my finger at anyone, but I'll tell a story like that and I'll say, you know, I really, I want you to go on a different path. Don't be like that guy. Right. Exactly. But yeah, my other story is... Um, this is back oh, many years ago, but I had a patient who worked at Exxon in Houston, and he was brand new, and he came in, and he was a very angry person, and he had super high blood pressure, um, but he was an executive at Exxon, and he was there for oh, six, eight months, and one of the other guys on the same shift got called to get a transplant. And this guy got so angry that he wasn't called first. And I said, look, it has nothing to do about what job you have or what insurance you have. It has to do with if you're a match. And uh, he, I said, your time is coming. And this kid, the next kidney or the kidney they call you for is going to be the right one for you. So I said, don't get discouraged. And it wasn't maybe six months, eight months, a year later, he got called for a kidney. And, you know, he had been really angry. We had a hard time dealing with him. Once he got that kidney, he came back and saw us every, you know, six months and told us, thank you so much for putting up with me. I know I was difficult. <laughs> and I'm so happy to have this kidney. So, you know, it, you just never know where people are at. And you have to deal with uh, and try and and get them to understand how it works with the kidney allocation system, you know. It's, 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 it's complicated. And, you know, um, when I was on dialysis for 13 years, and I didn't think I would get a kidney on many occasions based on the technology at the time. And then I'm like, now I've learned, well, just stay alive till the next miracle happens, okay? Because technology always <laughs> seems to find a solution for me, um, which I'm very, very grateful for. Well, you know, Gail, this has been wonderful. I thought maybe we could ramp up with what are some of the most memorable things that you've learned from patients, maybe just that you apply in your life. And before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to all the nephrology nurses. Uh, we love you and you are our lifeline. So um, and then recruit one of your friends to be a nephrology nurse because we need more of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, you know, I think 
so many patients have so much courage and bravery, and they're in the eye of a storm, and they're fighting their way through it, and so many of them are just wonderful and do really well with their treatments and, and work with their doctor. Um, I've also learned anger management. There were times, you know, that I was angry at something happening at the clinic, and it usually was a patient that was, you know, causing a problem or something. But you have to learn how to work with everyone and put that emotional stuff to the side and say, I'm going to do the best thing I can for this patient today. And so they've helped me learn that. So and it's- also how much how much emotional support it takes to have a chronic illness. Um, If you don't have a family to support you, you've got to find someone to support you. And again, I, even my own healthcare, I've had to look and seek for support. So it's, it's uh, something we all have to do. Well, and it's, I, I love that you brought up the point about anger because, um, you know, I know anger is a powerful motivator to get you to change. And uh, when I'm angry, I know something's wrong. And like you, like you just said, you need to find coping mechanisms. So, for all the people out there learning um, about how to deal with your emotions, uh, anger is a normal feeling and emotion when your kidneys don't work. <laughs> And so, uh, and so, yes, you definitely have to find coping mechanisms. And I think you give some great advice, Gail, about support groups. Uh, Make sure you find the right healthcare team if you're uh, going to facility, and you know you don't feel like you connect. You can change, right? You can go somewhere else. Absolutely, and you know I embrace that. If someone's not working out somewhere. Try another, even even nurses, if you don't like the team you're working with or you have issues, find somewhere else. And uh, it's not you're not a bad person because you don't get along with one group. Find another group. And I think we've all had to do that. I mean, it's, uh, it's our option. It's our right to be happy and to uh, seek out what we need. So you're, well, you're really right, Lori. <laughs> Well, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Gail. Um, I, I look forward to 30 more years um, visiting with you. Oh, absolutely. I hope I live that long. You're a lot younger <laughs> than me, you know. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.